I wrote down some notes for myself about oh, good. the film as well, just because obviously we're going to get into this. Yeah. This was a movie that was literally right up both of our alleys. So I feel like oh, yeah. we're going to be focused on so many more positives. And it, yes. it was almost a struggle for me to be like, okay, like, can I find some concrete negative things? So yes. I was trying to be a little bit more aware of that and wrote it down because I knew I would just forget by the end because I was just enjoying it the whole time. So you just have a list of every reason why it's a terrible movie and you don't have any reasons why it was good. No, 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 no. There's also a lot of good things. Trust me. And I could probably, those are the things I'll remember are all the good things. Um, right. Yeah. Welcome to a special Let's Run That Back bonus episode. I'm Cody, and this is part three of Fear Street Summer. In this three-part series, I'm sitting down with three different guests to discuss the Fear Street trilogy releasing on Netflix. Today, in an effort to keep our friendship relevant, I will be diving into Fear Street Part 3, 1666, with my friend Rachel. So without further ado, let's run that back. Okay, also, should I hold back on, like, my F-words and my cursing and all that? No. Okay, I'll try to no. not be too disgusting. <laughs> well, I'm saying you don't have to hold back. You can say fuck I know, as much as like, you want. I know, but, like, sometimes it's a little excessive, and, like, I feel like my grandma's going to want to listen to this. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, this one, this one's for Rachel's grandma. We fucking love you, okay? Yeah, we so... fucking love you. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll edit that out. Um, okay. No, you won't. And I also just figure we're going to end up going on, like, tangents talking about Scream and Halloween yeah, and all the goodies. The, that's know. the hardest part because there's always so many tangents, and I always know that I should probably veer it back to a main conversation, but I don't do it. You know? Like, I just, it's like, I well, especially with you, like, every time I've talked, when I talk to Kristen and when I talk to my cousin Taylor. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the same, like, love for specifically slashers yeah. as, like, as you will. So, like, I, when I was coming up with this idea, I was like, I have to leave Rachel for, for the last movie. <laughs> yeah. Because there's going to be so much more to talk yeah, cause about. Yeah, because there's things I want to say about the first two movies, for okay, sure. Good. Like, we can obviously, like, talk about the third one. But, I mean, even the end of the third one, like, we kind of go back into... Yes. I mean, we do. Obviously, we get that part two right. anyways. So, like, we go back fully. So, there's going to be room for it. Okay. So, hey, I am sitting here now, and I am with Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hello. This is so exciting. Hi, Rachel's grandma, also. We know yeah. you're listening. Hi, grandma. Wouldn't that be great if she never listened to it? So, then that's just out there, and she has no idea that it's out there. Yeah. Well, this is also betting on the fact that she could figure out how to play the podcast yeah i'm not 100 percent sure my grandma figured that out um <laughs> so wh why am i talking to rachel you know that's what everyone's asking uh no one's asking that no one's asking. so <laughs> i just have a few questions for you what genres of movies do you typically like Oof, well horror all the way i love yes. me a horror <laughs> film i'm just you know complete nerd through and through give me a horror mm -hmm. film give me a star wars give me a lord of the rings give me a harry potter <laughs> give me an alien all day every day and some thriller you know i love some david fincher as well love a oh, good yeah. uh, a good serial killer <laughs> yes um, <laughs> love a good serial well. killer <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think what i always end up going back to is i i can put a horror movie on any time of the day it's it, it's mm -hmm. weird it's weird almost but like oh, yeah. it, it's like a bit of a comfort in a way you yeah know? there was a there was a time period in like a very small time period in high school where for whatever reason our cable wasn't working and I always went to sleep watching a movie and there was like a few days where I would put saw on <laughs> as I was going to sleep and I and I started realizing like I should switch this to like a Pixar movie or something because I feel like I'm insane falling asleep to saw mm-hmm and I think I feel like that also we may led be to a like almost in the minority for some. Like, oh yeah. Keep, like we will defend Saw 
to our oh, grave. Yes. Like we, those are great movies. They are so yes. misrepresented and underappreciated. Well, you know what? That that's a good uh, segue into the next question, which I knew was going to be a difficult question for you, and I have to <laughs> ask it because I've asked everyone else. But in horror, mm-hmm. which films do you like the most? She is showing me her <laughs> Halloween shirt that she is wearing right now. <laughs> Halloween 1978 is a perfect yes, film. It is. <laughs> is a perfect film. But also I do have to say sometimes Scream really competes with Halloween mm-hmm. for me as as my favorite. It'll kind of it almost depends on like what I'm in the mood for. But what Scream mood you're in. is really yes. up there. It's just Which is so the shirt good. That which you're is the wearing. shirt I'm yeah. wearing. <laughs> so so you've got Halloween, I've got Scream. I feel like we're representing everything yeah. that needs to be represented right mm-hmm. now also alien as well because yes. i'm gonna go ahead and it's it's a horror movie it is it is it's a slasher movie it's a slasher movie in space right where no one can hear you scream. no one can hear you scream so you're going with halloween scream alien which honestly yeah is an incredible top three yeah more like tied for first but <laughs> yeah the best of the best and then this is how we also know each other. That's kind of going to feed into this question. But how have movies been a part of your life? I mean, I've always, I've always, I guess I had always enjoyed movies, but never really. Mm-hmm. I feel like I had to seek out a lot of movies on my own. Like I just kind of, my memories mm-hmm. of being a child was more like just Disney films and whatnot. Like right. I kind of had to seek out other sorts of movies on my own because I feel like my parents didn't watch a whole bunch of stuff but right yeah and then I, I just at one point got into tv production in high school and that just kind of changed everything for me it was like oh mm-hmm. this is something that I can actually do for the rest of my life and I love it mm-hmm. and we also created a really good group of people there as well a lot of which we mm-hmm. still talk to to this day like mm-hmm. how many years later since we've been out of high school um, and right. we still work together and we still all have this passion. And um, and then, of course, the two of us ended up in film school yeah. together as well. So making some bomb ass movies, making some bomb ass, mostly horror movies. <laughs> yes, exactly. There was one time I didn't make a horror movie and it was still like film noir. So it was still right. Like, there yeah. were people getting There's killed. There's still no the elements. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's still suspense, you know. Damn, we did some really great stuff like obviously you know we were still students there were things i would love to have done better or gone back and changed blah 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 but like i think for what we knew at the time and yes just our overall knowledge i think we we made some cool stuff like we we created some beautiful images and yes some cool stories and i mean i'm very happy with it yeah i definitely think it deserves a pat on the back there because it's at least promising. That's a that's a word yeah. that we can use for our, our features. <laughs> or yeah. not our features, our films. They're promising. Yeah. Um okay, so so now that people, you know, know about you. Yeah. We're gonna be talking about Fear Street Part Three, 1666. And this movie was again directed by Lee Janiak, a new favorite. Um, it was written by Lee Janiak, Phil Graziade. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think I pronounced it wrong last week. And Kate Treffery. It's starring Kiana Madeira, Olivia Scott Welch, Benjamin Flores Jr., Ashley Zuckerman, Gillian Jacobs, Daryl Brooke Gibson, along with many others. Mm-hmm. And as a quick summary, and I say quick, it is kind of a large paragraph, but surprise, there was kind of two movies in this one. So Yeah. The film begins with a flashback to 1666, when the town of Union fell on bad times. All their crops were rotting, and some believed it to be the work of the devil. Sarah Fear and Hannah Miller start hooking up at a full moon party, uh, as you do in the woods, and they're seen by Mad Thomas, a.k.a. the town's most reliable source, apparently. I I don't know why everyone listens to Mad Thomas. It's in his name. He's nuts. The next day, the town pastor locks himself and the town's children in the meeting building. Once the town gets inside, they find he's murdered all the children and gouged all their eyes out along with his own. It was not a good time. The town goes insane, saying it's due to witchcraft, and it must be Sarah and Hannah, because they were seen kissing, so that means they're witches. Hannah is caught, but Sarah gets away and tries to get her friend Solomon's help. Solomon Good is the ancestor of Nick Good from 1978, a.k.a. Sheriff Good from 1994. 
So we're really connecting the dots here. While hiding in his house, she learns that Solomon made a deal with the devil and caused the curse on Union. Sarah confronts Solomon, and he gets the upper hand eventually and turns her in as the witch. Sarah confesses in order to save Hannah, then tells Solomon that she will be his curse and will follow him forever. This reveals that Sarah Fear has been revealing the truth to Shady Siders for years, not the one murdering people. We now return to present day for Fear Street 1994 Part 2. Dina gets Josh and Ziggy together and hatch a plan to kill Sheriff Good, the mastermind of everything. It turns out, Good is evil. After getting help from mall custodian Martin, there is a long showdown at the mall. Dina is able to kill Good and the curse is broken. Everyone lives happily ever after, and then during the credits we see someone return to the caves and steal the witch's book. Because this is a horror movie. And nothing's ever over. You can't you can't not have the cliffhanger. <laughs> it's really funny because before we get into the overall part, like the movie cut to black and cut to directed by Lee Janiak and like Kristen started nodding and I was like, one sec. Yeah. It hasn't like, gone to hold shit yet. On. We've seen this too many times. We right. think we're in the clear. We think we're all happy. And then, and then boom. The car doors lock and the mom gets pulled into the tiny window of the front (laughs) door and (laughs) your car is now Freddy Krueger. I don't know. That was a weird one, but (laughs) iconic. So overall, what did you think of the movie? You know, this one was interesting because 1994, you sort of knew what you were getting, right? Like, right you know, the scream vibe. And also, you know, they really set the tone with, oh, we're going to pay all these homages to all these classic horrors. And obviously with the opening scene being literally almost shot for shot with Drew Barrymore's kill in the beginning of Scream, you know, they set that tone, all the needle drops. And then then the 70s is very similar. It's like, okay, we're going to do the 70s slasher vibe so this one it was just kind of like well what are they gonna do also like what needle drops were they gonna drop for 1666 got some like (laughs) Bach and Beethoven (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) um so I really didn't know what to expect from it but I gotta say I kind of loved it like yes the first of all all the sets for all three films, mm-hmm. I think they just did a great job where yes. it, it, you know, it really felt more, it didn't feel like, oh, we're on some big green screen or something like that. Everything yes. felt like very grounded. Like they built these really, these really cool sets that mm-hmm. really felt like that they were there and they were able, the actors were able to run around and be in it. And it felt the same way with this one. I mean, you, you especially right. like we got these wide shots, just like swooping over these towns and mm-hmm. one of the things that i like one of the immediate things that i said yesterday when we were watching was just like man as an actor that must be just such a blast to be able to do a yes. period piece like this get in this like colonial garb and <laughs> right. and uh with the accents and i i actually thought the accents were gonna like make me laugh the whole time and mm-hmm. kind of throw me off but i kind of i got into you it got used to you it know? <laughs> um, whatever yeah i, I just the whole the whole vibe of everything and i, I also thought it was going to be a little bit like oh it's going to be the witch you know because that's almost right, like right, our right. only reference for this exactly. time period horror wise um but it really like held its own as it's as right its it own stayed more thing. slasher because you could have quickly just got into it becoming the witch and just being really weird the whole time yeah but they did somehow keep that same vibe i guess because you're following the character's from 1994 and everything they're just transplanted into 1666 you were able to yeah. kind of keep that modern feel uh but yeah i also thought this one was great i was sure that they would not be able to keep a movie a full-length movie going in 1666 right and so when it shifted and became 1994 part two i was like i'm they know what they're doing like i just i, I don't know what they're gonna do next the these filmmakers but They definitely know what they're doing when it comes to this style of movie. I agree. I know this is this section that we're about to go into is now going to be like 45 minutes long. What did you find to be good about this movie? Fear Street 1666 slash 1994 part two. I think the biggest thing that I really appreciated from it, Mm -hmm. which obviously unfolds more and more 
you know, as we find out everything, was that it wasn't just the typical story of, oh, they found out she was a witch living among them and then she was burned or hung or whatever. It was not right. that story. Like, I mean, it's like um, The Haunting of Bly Manor where, uh-huh. what did they say at the end? Like, it's actually a love story. Like, this was a love right. story. You right. know, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't the whole, it wasn't the typical, yeah, oh, she's a witch. We got to hang her, blah, blah, blah. She's this evil right, person. Right. Like, she was done so dirty by this yeah, town. She, she did was. not deserve that. Seraphir and Seraphir was done so dirty. And then there was even that moment where she had that they want a witch. I'm going to give them a witch. Right. And I was like, oh, I see how that's going to work. But then she wasn't even able to become the witch that she was talking about. Mm-hmm. So literally, there was not a point where she was a witch. <laughs> at no, all. no. Like she does not have powers she is not a witch right. she just like literally got screwed over by these psycho townspeople that just needed right. someone to blame all their problems on right and you know didn't work out didn't work out for but her too well she was able to save her her lover at least so i yeah, guess that's a that win nice, but I, you know yeah they probably hung hannah the next week i i don't know what <laughs> what happens in this town but we don't get to see it but I, I just I felt like they did do a really good job at not just subverting that, but then also once they subverted it and she wasn't a witch, giving her that that like monologue she had where she explained how she was going to curse Solomon and like everything he did, she was going to follow him from right. then on. And the way that they like edited that sequence and it went along with everything she was saying and showing you how throughout the whole trilogy they've been setting this up that she's not the bad guy mm-hmm. it was just honestly such an amazing reveal and i got chills like i got chills yeah. when she was like you'll feel the grip of my hand and it like cut to her skeleton hand yeah. sitting there and yeah and that just so well me for a second in. and then i realized mm-hmm. that they set that up for us in 1978 mm-hmm. with alice when she was in the cave and she touched that disgusting Stranger Things, thing, yeah. yeah, moving thingy. When she touched it, she saw all the the people that had Carnage. been wronged and yeah. killed and and whatnot. So it took me a second, but then I was like, oh wow, like they've already set all that up for us, and they're just right. tying it back together, right? And that's what really like was the best part of the movie. Like all the good things that I have really just have to do with the way that they tied everything together throughout mm-hmm. the whole trilogy and how it sh- you could see that everything was planned. They didn't miss anything throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I thought the editing throughout the whole trilogy was exceptional because, you know, there are times where it's almost weird because good editing you shouldn't really notice, mm-hmm. but maybe it's because I have a film background. Like, I can tell when it has a great rhythm. And so I, I'm just like, this is being edited really well right now. Mm-hmm. And then I start thinking, but does that mean it's bad? Because I noticed it. But I don't think it means it's bad. Mm-hmm. I just... I don't think so. I think a, a specific example would be when in 1994 Part 2, so the second half of this film, they're revealing to adult Ziggy that Sheriff Good is the bad guy and they need to stop him. And as they're explaining that they need to kill him and set up a thing, it's cutting back to all the good times she had with him mm-hmm. as a child. And it just did this really great representation of the conflict that Ziggy has to be feeling inside of herself. Right. That she really trusted him and that it's probably something that she always suspected of him that he wasn't completely honest. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that was a very quick way of visualizing the conflict that Ziggy was having inside of her. And it was just so well edited. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I feel like that was something that was like an editing tool that they did use in a lot of moments where they Mm -hmm. would cut to some sort of flashback or image or something to, so they like, they were literally showing us their emotions rather than speaking it, which is always so much more effective. Exactly. Yeah, and I think for that moment as well, it would it would have been you know it was so much more effective than her being like, 
oh no, you know, and like we right. had such a good time together <laughs> at, at camp that one time. Like, but no, you right. you got to see the emotion actually going through her, and I, I I agree that I think that was very effective that the way that they did that. And that's also just a one female example. editor, by the way. Oh yes, shout out named Rachel. That. <laughs> named Rachel, which was very exciting. I was like, wait a minute, be... did Rachel edit this? Oh, I, man, <laughs> I wish. This would be an absolute dream. I can edit horror movies for the rest of my life and be so happy. Yeah. If anyone's listening to this, yeah, if Rachel you can a, edit a your horror, horror film, movie. I got you. I think Sam Raimi listens to the podcast, so the, he's he's probably yeah, going to yeah. Sam hire Raimi, you. if you ever... Well, they're already doing an Evil Dead uh, TV show, but if you want to do another, another movie... Well, you I'm know what? <laughs> Clearly, they like editors named Rachel, and I'm sure they're going to keep making Fear Street content. So just put your yeah. name out there. My name's Rachel. If you ever need to get rid of Rachel, you can hire Rachel. Yeah. Anyway. Any slasher film, I'm your girl. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything else you liked? Let's see. You're like, no. There's just like I don't, I didn't like too it. many things. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Oh, so this is... Uh, this is a quoting um, my boyfriend at the end of okay. of the movie. The first thing he said was, "The gays win?" Question mark. Which we were, <laughs> we were very excited about because, unfortunately, that's always something that works against them, and we always kind of get a sad ending Which... for our two lovers. So that was really nice that they got their little happy moment. Of course, yes, we get our little cliffhanger at the end. So right. Well, I wasn't going to say that. But... I was, <laughs> I was. I still think they got their happy ending, yeah. uh, Sam and <laughs> Dina, but... Uh, you, it was this was a whole trilogy, obviously, and the first <laughs> the first movie did not end happy, and then 1666 did not end happy. No, but we were able to so so you could see the pattern, and then boom, they flipped it right at the end. So mm-hmm. definitely, I would say the gays win. You know, the gays win, as they should. <laughs> the seriousness on your face as you said that, <laughs> as they should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, look in my eyes, as they should. I <laughs> I also felt like um, I loved how we kind of already mentioned this, but I loved how they stayed true to slashers and mm-hmm. had something mm-hmm. bad happen at the end since you kind of brought that up because they could have easily just let the movie end. And by by having it go back and, and it was such a cool way they did it where through the credits, the camera just kind of like flew back to the mall and... You know, it almost felt reminiscent of like the Evil Dead, the camera like moving forward, like through the hallways and everything. And it also kind of gave me the slightest of vibes of Halloween, where at the end of Halloween, they just show all of the locations for the whole movie. Right, right. I didn't think Going back to the mall and kind of just showing it again and then having them grab the book. I was like, thank God, because they've they've really nailed every single part of slasher movies this entire time. Mm-hmm. So having it end happy would not, or fully happy, I should say, right. would not have felt the right. Illusion. And so I'm glad that it was nothing like too bad. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, obviously they left the stupid book there. Of course, someone's <laughs> going to take it. I don't of understand course. why they left it. <sighs> you know. Who do you think took it? Do you think we know them? That's interesting. I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, all their friends are dead. <laughs> it's not the cop. <laughs> what a sad statement to just kind of randomly Which say. I know, you know this all is their one thing that dead. you and Kristen talked about at the end of the first right. one was how yes. like casual they were after coming back from the the grocery store or whatever just like oh i ordered pizza and you know our yes. friends are dead but like we're all happy now and ordering pizza right. and just celebrating they they kind of did a little bit of that at the end of this one as well a little bit where i was like okay i mean like you should be a little sad i mean yeah i f- i felt like they i said this in the 1978 podcast that i felt like in the second movie they kind of did better at that where people actually mourned their friends dying and then in this one you saw the like the sign on the school said like you know in remembrance of and yeah. had their names and i was like at least the school is mourning even if dina's not <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think i i think they did kind of make a statement oh it was when she like gave her dina gave a little speech and said like we're doing this for sarah and Cade, and like she she did like mention their names she also mm-hmm. threw cindy in there which i enjoyed because cindy was a badass yeah um, 
the 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 last thing I have written for the the good things that happened is I loved how they connected the locations in each movie mm, throughout mm-hmm. all of them. So you had in the first movie you had this shopping mall where you saw the tree in the middle and that turned out in the second movie to be the hanging tree and then in the second movie they went through all those tunnels underground and she came up in the mess hall and now in the third movie you get to see that the mess hall was the meeting room Mm -hmm. or the meeting place and then at the end she was in the mall and went through the grate to get in like you could see that oh this place in 1666 was a meeting place and then in 1978 it was a camp mess hall and now in 1994 it's a mall and it's like I can follow and track everything that's happened throughout the series right they like built this history to this place that you have actual moments and memories of yourself from watching the movie. Mm-hmm. That was really well done. Yeah, I agree with that. The camera work for some of it as well. Like they, especially I think in the third one where she was breaking out through the wood, right mm-hmm. to get back into the mall, was very reminiscent for me of. Cindy, right? The older sister in yes. 1978 when she's trying to get into the mess hall. It was like very right. similar. just like the overhead of trying to kick in and all of that. And it, yes. you know, just mirroring the two also kind of helped with the geography, like letting you yes. know, oh, this is the same exact place. And you could feel it by the way they shot it before they even showed it to you. You like I said to Kristen, like, this is the place mm-hmm. from 1978. And so that was genius that they were able to do that. Yeah. And like I said, create this history. It just that also just helps the world building that they've created. Yeah. Which for the overall whole I think has just been really, really great. You get yes. such a good sense of the whole town history. I mean, especially like mm-hmm. seeing all these different time periods and then going right. all the way back to the beginning of it as well. Um, when it was Union. Exactly. Yeah, they did a really good job of being like, this is the central area of where Uh, all this shit happened. (laughs) And they also, just another example, I loved in this third movie when Ziggy walked up to the tree and you had the audio of her remembering like what happened to her in 1978 at that same tree. Mm -hmm. And you think like to everyone else, this is just a shopping mall. But like Ziggy up to this point, we don't know, but she may have never even come to this mall because she doesn't want to, like, go back and remember this kind of stuff. Right, she you kind of like, get the idea face. that she just, like, doesn't go anywhere. She just stays home. Do you have any more good things, or do you think we can move into the... To the I mean, the so only good? other thing I think I would say for good, which is more so overall for all three movies, was right. the use of practical effects. Oh, I think they yes. did. Obviously, like, there's the... The, the bread slicer in the first one is probably going to yes. be your biggest example. But I think um, just everything, even up to the, the eye gouging in, in the in the yes. in 1666, just the, the makeup real. work and all of that. I think they did such a good job with everything. Like everything felt very old school in a way with, with how they created these worlds. Like it felt these sets felt really real. Yeah, everything. I just I, I just. Which which that's a good thing to bring up, actually, because you say the bread slicer is the obvious one. What Because of the bread slicer, you don't think about how immediately after the guy got an axe to the head and and they showed that, too. But you're so stuck on what happened with the bread slicer. The hand. Yes. And then Sarah Fear's hand. hand. That was visceral. Honestly, (laughs) I like kind of had to turn away. And like yeah. I watched the Saw movies, and I was like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> yes. I just I think I just didn't expect that, um, which well, is nuts because they've already proved in the other movies that yes. like they're not going to shy away from being right. more gorier than traditional horror movies that were that we mm-hmm. that we're used to seeing. But god damn, I don't know if I wanted to see that hand getting like knocked off like that. I think part of it is that we we like Sarah fear like in that moment, like we don't want to watch her in pain. Like Mm -hmm. in saw who gives a shit about any of those. That's true. That is true. (laughs) And, and the other thing you brought up about these sets being like tangible, like the, they're like real places and these props are real things. They're holding. It helps sell 
the impact of someone getting cut or someone getting stabbed. The fact that the props looked real and you could tell that while the killer was holding it, it was real. Mm -hmm. It sells it when someone gets stabbed because you're thinking of it as that looks real. I hope all that made sense. I I, I just I just went off on people being stabbed. I'm sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> it sells but, it okay. though. You know, it's, it, it sells does. the whole thing. I think going back to what you were saying about well, Dina as Sarah Fear, why we were caring right. so much more for her. I another positive that I do have overall was that, you know, in most slasher films, we're kind of made to hate. The characters so we just want to see them killed in every sort of brutal creative way that they can come up with exactly but i really cared for these characters i really liked them they really had more of a personality than we're used to seeing in every in every form of them like even when it was the same actors you Mm -hmm. know portraying the 1666 versions of themselves Mm -hmm. or or, you know or those people from that time i still cared for all of them and that's something that you don't really get from these movies a lot so you don't yes. want them to die even alice in 1978 she's kind of set up in the beginning to be that type of character that we right. can really give two shits about but by the time it comes to the end for her we're like oh no i kind of don't want you to die <laughs> yes um and i, I appreciate exactly. that because it's just it, it's a, it definitely is a fresh take on the slasher film that when makes it that. so much harder to watch it, it makes everything feel more brutal because you these aren't bad people like not not that the people in halloween deserve to die or anything like it's just you know i don't know Lori's friends are pretty shitty in halloween <laughs> they didn't deserve to die <laughs> <laughs> even if they're kind of no kinda but lame. they're just still mean for no reason yes, you don't need to be they mean are. to jamie lee but there 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 are some movies obviously that make the characters not completely unlikable but it's very rare yeah well normally it's the final girl at the very least that we care for um and dina i mean overall i would say is the final girl of this series but in a very different way i mean she's definitely more along the lines of sydney in scream where she breaks Mm -hmm. all those all those final girl rules where like she's not a virgin she what else do they do? Well, she. <laughs> that's pretty much. That's the only thing you need. She's not a virgin. No, but but it is implied that like she's not like the quote unquote innocent good girl. Like, right. Yeah. You don't see it much, but like her and her friends dabble in drugs. They mm-hmm. are probably getting alcohol and stuff when they go out to parties and stuff. It's not like she's trying to follow up. She's definitely not Laurie Strode from Halloween. No. Like, no. This is very much someone that is, you know, a teenager that's just doing teenager shit and having mm-hmm. fun. And that's how Sydney was. Sydney was structured and she technically was a virgin, but she didn't stray away from like, I'll drink, I'll go to parties, I'll right. do whatever, you know. It, really, Sydney is like one of my absolute favorite oh, yeah. we love final Sydney. girls. I can't wait Her, for the new movie. Ugh. And uh, so, yeah, I do think that they definitely subverted that. But then at the same time, what's interesting is you have Dina, Sam, Josh, Ziggy, the custodian guy, Martin. Like, you had so (laughs) many people alive at the end of this movie to Mm -hmm. be allowed to celebrate with. Because in Scream, I mean, a good amount of people live, but not most of Sydney's friends. friends. In, like, every movie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All right. So did you have anything that you didn't like about this movie? Okay. Let me see. Okay. Number one, I have to say, because this is always a big negative for me and is the one ding I do have against Halloween, even though I love it and it is still a perfect film. Uh-huh. They killed the dog. And yes, I just, did. I hate it. I can't. I know it's like a horror trope. It happens all the yes. time. But- I don't want to see the poor pup die. But you're subverting every expectation. <laughs> How about you don't kill the dog? Yeah. Not only, sorry to bring it up, because you probably hated it, but not only did they kill the dog, but they also had a pig eat all I of its piglets and kill all pigs. its piglets. The poor pigs. Yeah, you know me with animals. That's th- Those are the parts <laughs> where I'm like, I can watch like all the gore in the world when it's yes. saw and everything, but when an animal dies on screen, I can't, I can't do it. I have to look away. Yep. It's over. Yeah. 
Um, one thing I did like chuckle at, like I mm-hmm. get it, and it was cutesy and all, but when she right. turns to her brother and she's like, "Good is evil." <laughs> nope, I'm not gonna stand for this. I'm not gonna stand for this. Do you know why? Because I would have written that line. And do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go completely opposing you and say that what they did was amazing because <laughs> what they, they did spray was spray painted. She, I think too in the mall. <laughs> they did. They what what happened? Okay, let me set the scene, people. So Sheriff Good shows up and Dina grabs her brother and hides. And her brother's like, "What are we doing? Like, it's the sheriff. Like, we need him. He's 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 nice." And Dina's like, no, we can't trust him. We can't trust him because she knows now that he's the mastermind, mm-hmm. right? And her brother's like not listening to him and not listening to him. So what she does is she goes to say he's evil, but instead she uses his name, which is good. His last name is good. And she goes, listen, good is evil. <laughs> and so like it was the cheesiest thing she could have said because it's so on the nose. But at the same time, it's accurate, factual information. I mean, it's effective. It's definitely effective. <laughs> I'll give it but that. But then it they spray made, painted it, it on the wall. It got a little chuckle. It got a little chuckle. It's, yes. <laughs> it's stupid. I think it's supposed to be stupid, though. Yeah, that that's sort of like the tough thing with these right. slashers, with the campiness of it, too, where it's like, yes. how far is too far sometimes? Because there's plenty yes. of campy things that are in all those slasher movies that were in these two where I'm like, Hell yes, I right. love this. I don't care how cheesy it is. I live for this, but you know, every yes. once in a while. Remember it's like, in right. A Nightmare on Elm Street when Nancy picks up the phone and the phone is the Freddy's mouth and he licks her? <laughs> I mean, absolutely ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But what's also funny though is I feel like they kept the ridiculous things to the 1994 segment we're totally not even talking about the not so good stuff anymore but (laughs) 1978 and 1666 did not have like funny bullshit in them it was like all pretty scary and brutal yeah it was definitely a bit more to the point and intense with the straight up horror yeah and then you shift to 1994 good is evil that's what happens (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you didn't like? The only other thing that was like, all right, I guess it's a movie and like they need to make, you know, it needs to be convenient and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the tree being in the mall, just like mm-hmm. untouched, like there was this tree that's been sitting there for <laughs> hundreds of years that they literally hung a woman from. Yeah. And then yes. her, I mean, obviously the townspeople don't know this, but they believe that her right. body's still literally right there. And then they right. build a mall around it, and it's completely untouched. I was like, eh, I mean, okay, but... Let me hit you with this. Historical landmark. <laughs> we can't... You can't... <laughs> it's protected. <laughs> this is the tree we hung at least one woman from. <laughs> we don't we know have, like, a tour in the mall. <laughs> right? <laughs> And five dollars to come see to take them take a photo in front of where <laughs> yes. the, the witch was hung. Yeah, mom, get a picture of me. I'm gonna act like I'm hanging from the tree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. They should have showed that. That would have worked really well in 1994's segments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel you though with not having a ton to discredit because overall the whole trilogy was so good that yeah. like. I don't really care about the issues. And one thing that you brought up already that you didn't mind, and if I'm being honest, I didn't mind it that much either, but the only negative I could think of was that their accents were all over the place in 1666. Yeah, I mean... But it's like, it didn't matter, you know? Mad Thomas had the best accent work. That kid is that dude was perfect for that he was role so good with his nasty ass teeth and like he yes. went full on into it i thought he was great i mean yes. some of that stuff in the 1666 was just super grotesque i mean the men were right. disgusting and you know right. tearing her clothes off which was really hard yes. to watch and all and all of that but yes he like him specifically the way he played his role was crazy but also why were all those people believing this psycho I think we talked about this earlier, but it's like his name, yeah, literally is Mad Thomas. Mad and when Thomas. he's going to get up there and be like, I saw so-and-so doing this in the woods, right. you're really going to believe this dude? But, right. you know. 
you know, it was hysteria. <laughs> they were all nuts. They, you know, because not to sit here and try to give them a reason for being insane, but I was trying <laughs> to think about it, like, logically, and I was thinking, in 1666, these people were not at our level <laughs> of intelligence, obviously, <laughs> and they were constantly reading that Bible, which is full of yeah, supernatural I mean that, bullshit. Yeah. And, and then you have your pastor murder a bunch of children. Oh, my God. I feel like... Nuts. I feel like the town is going to be like, so this literally could not have just been a guy going crazy because that doesn't make any sense at all. So, like, it had to have been witchcraft or something. Obviously. Like, that's it. No one just does this. It so, was like, obviously I could, like, these, these evil women are to blame right. for everything. Which they did point out that the guy that initially made the claim that they were witches was also the guy that hannah rejected his advances yes you can see where that comes from and that was kind of like a a a cool detail that again they with the editing they were able to show you like either way do you have anything else that you didn't like it's hard with me with movies like this because like my brain just kind of goes into oh i'm loving this mode i don't even really care like sure there's gonna be some like goofy things i don't care but a lot of times when it comes to horror for me I'm just kind mm-hmm. of like I I'm going to I know I'm going to dig this no matter what. I will see mm-hmm. any horror movie that comes out. Mm-hmm. They're just so fun. You don't have to think too hard most of the time. No. They're just there to entertain you and this did that for all three films. I just had a blast nice. watching them the entire time. Literally like you said in the the first podcast talking about part 1 like I think these movies were made for us. Like these <laughs> right. movies were made for uber slasher fans like us we just yes we just ate all of it up we ate all of the homages up to everything i was yes. every time i saw something i'm like pointing it out like oh it's the <laughs> right. shining like everything and I, yes. I loved it and i will what's hilarious is like dylan uh Kristen's brother he brought up to me because i was talking about how i loved all the references and like and he was like when does it get to the point where you're upset that they're just copying other movies and i was like i don't think it gets to that point because <laughs> i love those movies and so it's like i like seeing when people do it different yes so i like you know it follows the way that they did those like michael myers shots yes different yes and then I like watching the exact same thing, yeah. like in 1994 with the scream thing. Like when the killer grabbed her and held the knife up, I was like, oh, my God, they're doing scream. They're doing scream. And then when she fell, I was like, she's going to pull his mask off. Like, and, they, and but she we did saw it. Like, we saw yes, who's behind they the changed mask, it. too, which was nuts. Like, I, I was like, oh, we're not going to see it. And then they immediately, right. we immediately saw who it was, which was really interesting as well. Yes, it was amazing. Yeah, and I'm not one to speak because I literally made a horror film for my thesis in college that was called right. Slasher, that literally has direct references all over the place to classic right. slasher films. So yep. clearly Character this names, is something that situations. I enjoy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I think that that was a fantastic conversation. And we can get into a little bit of... I, I, I really just have a couple questions since we just watched the whole series. What did you think about the little things that they didn't necessarily tie up? So they never really explained what that big mound of meat and beating mm. heart thing in the cave like was. What do you think it was? Like, obviously, it was some sort of manifestation of like the devil or something. But see, my interpretation of that was like, and I think I think it's. That's that idea started to form for me a bit in mm-hmm. 1666 yesterday mm-hmm. when we saw him like doing the summoning for the first time and everything being right. carved out and you saw it start to like come out of the the ground. For mm-hmm. me, it's almost like a manifestation of everyone that's been sacrificed because it, it's like mm. flesh, you know, and, and right. also those killers seem to spawn out of this thing, out of this like living thing every time. So that's kind of what I'm kind of imagining it as. It's just yeah, this this like mass of evil. Yes, where it keeps all this evil and then when it when it needs to be unleashed, they come out of it. <laughs> that's pretty dope. That's that's metal as fuck. Like I I don't know what 
<laughs> Manifestation of Evil is now the name of our band. So just keep Ooh, that in I mind. Like that. Now, the other thing was that the whole time I've mentioned it in both podcasts before this, I was like, we're going to find out who Josh is talking to on the other side of that yes. AIM chat. Yes. And then, you know, it was just this cute girl that goes to a school like <laughs> and that's it, <laughs> which is fine. But do you think that that's going to be something that maybe they will make more things and she'll be a character? Or do you think it was just like a one off kind of like? Yeah, that was a weird one, too, because even once it was like they defeated the evil and, and all of that. And then they're in the, the car driving to school. I, I remember mm-hmm. like, oh, we still haven't we still haven't heard back about his his, uh you know, aim chat buddy whatever because for a little bit i was actually thinking that it was nurse lane because she's been the one this whole time that like had been researched like she had probably been the closest one this whole time to actually solving the whole secret and so i'm not gonna say i was disappointed when i found out that it was some random but it was just kind of it felt a little bit like a throwaway i guess at that point because it was like well Josh was clearly very knowledgeable this whole time, and he yes. was the one, especially in the first movie, that orchestrated everything and 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 knew like how to save all of them and how to fight against mm-hmm. everything and and the history behind the whole curse and everything. So I was a little surprised that it wasn't someone like one of the other characters that was more substantial right. in the story that would have had all that information to relay to him because. In the first movie, I was thinking, oh, what if we learn in this movie that it's Kate and that this whole time you think like, oh, they're like different ages, like they're different, you know, but it turns out like she's also really into this stuff. But then she, you know, got slid into a bread slicer. Right. And then I'm thinking, oh, it's probably Nurse Lane because, you know, she's I was told by my cousin, she's the neighbor in the first movie and she's, uh, you know, in the second movie, obviously knowing a lot. And then. It wasn't her either. And they even had like a little moment where Ziggy went and like visited Nurse Lane and like they, they hugged and stuff. And so I also felt like that was another one of those threads that kind of was just quickly tied up and didn't really end up mattering at all. Yeah. And I can't I, I don't think that really ruins the movie at all. It was just kind of not what I expected as far as wrapping things up goes. Yeah, I feel like it may have almost been, especially since it was mo- we saw it mostly in the first 1994, where it was almost a, oh, it's the 90s, sort of, like drop, right. dropping all of the, the 90s of vibes. Of course he's on AIM. He's listening to the music. He's on, yeah. he's on AIM and, and whatnot. And it maybe almost served that purpose more of setting up right. the, the time period. Which makes sense. And so I feel like we have exhausted everything that we could possibly talk about about this trilogy. That's not completely true, but I should probably cut us at some (laughs) point because we're going to be here all day. So I want to know just for this third movie, not for the whole trilogy. So Mm -hmm. just for Fear Street Part 3, 1666, out of five stars, what would you rate it? I feel like I got to go with a four. Yeah. Because like I said, I mean, the only things that were really ever negative for me, I mean, for this one, also <laughs> overall for all three, were so minimal, you right. know? And I just, I had such a good time overall. So that's just going to steal all of the thunder for me right. overall. So yeah, right. I feel like I can give it a solid four. I loved it. I, I can totally rewatch these movies. Like I can oh, yeah. I can see this trilogy becoming a part of my, my Halloween, uh, Halloween Halloween marathon that I like to right. do every year. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thought that I had not thought about yet, but you're a hundred percent right. I I'm actually also gonna rate it a four. I, I gave the first movie a four, the second one a four and a half. Mm. And while I loved this movie, I still think the second one was my favorite. So Got it. I'm going with a four, which I think is solid. And I mean, it's above average. This is it was amazing. Yeah. And so obviously you kind of mentioned it. I would recommend watching this part three, especially if you've watched part one and two. You kind of have to. Would yeah, you, you have it? to. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, especially, yeah, if you've, if you've already gone and watched the first two, you got to watch the third. It wraps it all up with a nice little bow on top for you. Exactly. And so then outside of that, since this is the last episode of Fear Street Summer, I want to know what would you rate out of five stars the entire trilogy? Hmm. I'm torn between like a four and a four and a half, to be honest, but I almost just want to give it a four and a half because I just really liked it. 
And yeah, I just want you, more people to watch it. It's all I'm going to be talking you can. about. You're allowed to say whatever Let's you want. Let's go with the four and a half. Hell yeah. We we need more people to to appreciate horror more. Yes. You know? And I think that this the filmmakers gave this enough love and time and attention and mm-hmm. detail just with everything that they did for it that I'll go ahead right. and give it and give it a high the highest rating, you know. And do you know what I'm gonna do is I'm going to be probably over dramatic and I'm okay. going to give it five stars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> out of five. I love it. <laughs> I, I know that it is not perfect. I know that. And I know that five out of five is a perfect score. But <laughs> the love that I have for all of this, all of this subgenre of horror mm-hmm. pushes through and gives it an extra half star. Yeah. All of the references come together to form one half of a star and yeah. it gets put down on there and makes it five stars. And you know what? My opinion doesn't matter, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Five stars. I would so highly recommend that people watch this trilogy because yeah. it just, especially as far as like modern day horror goes, mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah, yeah. And it's so different than a lot of the horror movies that we do tend to see come out over yes. the last few years um, in a good way. I mean, it just, it, right. not that any of those are bad. There's been a lot of really good ones that have come out, but I think this one yes. just did something really different. And I think it can even pull in a broader audience. I mean, yes, it has gore and I know not everyone's like into that, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of the things that it does and especially like how interesting the characters are, you yes. could you can invite pe- a lot more people in that don't typically go out of their way to watch horror movies to get to watch these these uh, this trilogy. Very well said. So that was let's run that back. This was the last part of Fear Street Summer. It's been so exciting and it's been so much fun and thank you so much for being on it, Rachel. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys can find us on let's run that back on Instagram, let's run that back.com. Our email address is let's run that back pod at gmail.com. Yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so this was a special episode of Let's Run That Back. I'm Cody. And I'm Rachel. You guys have a great day. Bye. <laughs>